Peter Hayden this morning talking about the Great South Coast. And Shane Wilson joins me. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Peter. Shane, most people know you from lots of different things around town, but in particular, Melbourne to Warrnambool. That was a great event again this year. It was fantastic. We had great weather. We had uh, big crowds. We had fantastic cycling. It was just uh, everything just went to plan. Yeah, so it was great. And it's, it's an event that uh, I guess the local committee is the one that drives that event and keeps it going. It is. I think I've said to you before, Peter, one of the things that is very important about the Melbourne to Warrnambool is it's owned by the Warrnambool Citizens Road Race Committee, which is a local not-for-profit organisation. We're not owned by a private enterprise company that comes and goes, or we're not owned by the government. We're owned by the community of Warrnambool, and that's Mm. all the difference. Well, congratulations on that, and uh, that event's going to be there for many, many years to come. It's been there over 100 years now, so we've got another 100. Started in 1895, so quick maths, what's that, five... 129 years ago, yeah. so I'd say we've got another 129 years at least. All right, well, you're keen on the cycling world, and you've got a, another event coming up called the Big Ride, and I'm interested in what's this all about. How did it come about, and what's the organisation behind it about? Pete, this is the fifth Big Ride. We started it a few years ago. It was a discussion that Steve Callaghan and I had about trying to get a Melbourne to Warrnambool that the average punter could do, because we all love our bike riding, a lot of us around town, a lot of us everywhere, and we thought... The problem with the Melbourne to Warrnambool is you've got to be elite. You've got mm. to be top level to do it. So what we did was we started a bike ride which started in Melbourne. Uh, in fact, we turned it the other way. We started in Warrnambool and went to Melbourne, which is what the old Melbourne to Warrnambool used to do. We called it the Big Ride and we raised money for Big Life, which is a uh, mental health program um, in our local schools. So we did that five years ago. Last year we thought for a change we'd start in Melbourne, come to Warrnambool, uh, throw a few more Ks in there, make it 300 kilometres. We've got 37 degrees. Somehow we got down here. And uh, so this year uh, we're riding Friday week and the forecast isn't too bad at this stage. Yeah, well, we'll get more about the people involved with the, the big ride and, and who's in it and where it goes from. But talk, tell us about Big Life and the schools that are involved and what work does it do for the kids? Well, Big Life started back in 2014. It started at Warrnambool College and Brow College. At the time, and a lot of people from Warrnambool would remember that we had some terrible stories coming out of our schools, some really bad mental health issues. There were suicides, a lot of self-harming, and there were problems there. It wasn't wasn't good. And Warrnambool Student Wellbeing worked with the principals of Warrnambool College and Brow College to get a program going that built in strength, got the, the foundations of really strong mental health for all our students, not just those students that had hit the rocks and had problems, but to expose all the students to really good positive mental health techniques. The unashamed goal of Warrnambool Student Wellbeing, which, you know, another word is big life, is no mental health problems for our kids. You know, it might be unattainable, yeah. but that's what it's we're after. Yeah. Yep. So that program started uh, 2014 in those two schools. We went to Woodford, and now in 2024, we're at Walsorp, Merivale, Coroit, Grasmere. Warrnambool uh, West. Uh, Warrnambool West, Merri- I said Merivale, Warrnambool College, Brow College. Um, I may have missed one primary school there. but um, So we're in eight schools, uh, mm-hmm. six primaries and the, yeah. the two big secondaries. Yeah, Woodford are there. I'm not sure if you Woodford, mentioned that, but Woodford yep. there as well. So really is, you know, and, and the big ride is about raising funds to support those programs Absolutely. And, and the big life. So. And, 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 and where that fits in is that big life was a community response to a community problem. And at the time, to get such programs off the ground and get funding through the governments, the funding just wasn't there. And 
yeah, this is not to knock governments, but what the governments do is they put the money in there to, to respond to an issue. So if someone's got a problem, okay, they'll get the resources. But this was about getting on the front foot so everybody got good, positive mental health techniques. There was no funding for that. So the schools, to their credit, said, look, we'll fund half of it. We'll eke the money out of our budget. They don't get big budgets, so the principals are to be you know, lauded for that. And Warrnambool Student Wellbeing said, we'll go to the local Warrnambool community and we'll raise the funds. So we fund half the program. So what you see in the schools, 50% comes from us uh, and 50% comes from the schools. Now, to, to raise the money, we're supported by a lot of people. Churches help us out. The local philanthropic trusts help us out. But one of our biggest fundraisers is the big ride. The big ride. If, if, a, if, if the schools identify a person, a student that needs some help, What's the program? What's the process? Do they well, well, come to you and say? Yeah, well, how the program works, Peter, is that we work with all the students. So the students actually don't all probably recognise that Big Life is working with them sometimes. So, for example, at Merivale, we work right across the board with the teachers directly, occasionally with the students, but with the teachers about making sure that day to day activities are done in a manner that makes sure that the students at Merivale Primary School are exposed to strong mental health building techniques. And that's a great thing. Mm. So, you know, Simon Perry, their principal, he recognises that the whole school needs to have those positive attributes right across the board. So our team at Merivale work with the teachers. Uh, in other places, we'll work directly with the students. Mm. Well, great work. And now it's about the big ride to raise funds to keep that great work happening. Yeah. And I've looked at, through here that you've got a great support crew and um, local riders in there. Tell us about how, you know, the training behind it and all the details about the big ride. Well, we've been getting up uh, very early in the morning, uh, Peter. We're out there this morning. The wind was blowing 40k an hour. Um, it's uh, we've been out in the hot weather, the cold weather. We've got about thirty locals who are doing it. We start in Geelong or Melbourne, so we've got according a, to your ability or, well, or stamina. Uh, I think according to your brain. <laughs> so the intelligent ones are starting in Geelong and they're doing the two hundred. Yeah. Um, some of us dopey ones, we're starting in Melbourne and we're doing the three hundred. So that's uh, the Melbourne ones will start early. Some will start about three a.m. Some will be starting at about five thirty a.m. The quick ones start later. Uh, Geelong a little bit later than that. And then we'll ride to Warnables Lake Patobe, hopefully be there 3 o'clock, 3.30. That's uh, Saturday, March the 2nd. Saturday, March the 2nd. We'll yep. go through a few of the local riders for mm-hmm. us. we got there. I know Lisa Worrell's one of the women riders. I see her out and about. And Natasha Cross. Uh, Tracy Cole, our own Tracy Cole's involved. There's there's lots of names there. But one, right at the top of the list there is Barry Warren. A lot of people know him as Humper. He has been around for many years. One of the great cyclists. Uh, great people of Warnable, Barry Warren. Kevin Rhodes. Uh, you know, footballing stalwart Lee McCarthy just always backs up Jason Hose who loves his BMX Steve Callaghan this event wouldn't be possible without Steve Callaghan from Callaghan Motors they supply all the vehicles we have 12 support vehicles on the road Steve mm. Callaghan does that not an issue um, Brett Worrell you mentioned Lisa Worrell they're from Slumber World uh, great riders no, no one less than Tracy Cole who um, works here at 3YB um, Nigel Cole as well uh, Tash Cross, who's up at Warrnambool College, she works in, in the wellbeing up there, so she does a lot of work similar to what the Big Life do. Yeah. So I've missed a few names there, but that's just a variety of the people who'll be be riding. I'll be out there as well. And then when it comes to the support crew, we've got some fantastic people in the support crew. So we have 24 people who volunteer their time for the day, which is sensational. So just a couple of names: uh, Michael Quinn. A lot of people would know uh, Quinny, Quinny a, yeah. a doctor around town. 
Uh, we've got uh, Danielle Gladman, who's, who heads up the Big Life program. Stevie Morris, who's uh, South Warrnambool Tragic. Um, yeah, somebody is going to have to be in a car with Stevie Morris <laughs> for 10 hours, so that's a tough decision to work out who that will be. Brian Brown, we all know Brownie, uh, great fella, always there to help out. Uh, Paul Forbes, Forbes, you'll be talking for 10 hours in the support crew. Uh, and of uh, Rika Ralphs, a swim teacher at the moment, a local girl, and Bill Murphy, one of the old, uh, old-time cyclists around town, a great fella. So people right across the board. All right, talking to Shane Wilson about the big ride for a big life. Saturday, March the 2nd, we're at 64 riders uh, for the big ride from Melbourne and Geelong to Warrnambool to raise funds and awareness for big life. If people would like to make a donation, Shane, how can they do that? We've got a webpage, which is www.abigride.com.au, and you can go in there, you can donate just to the to the uh, cause, or probably better still, search for a rider. Click on search for a rider. Find your favourite rider. It's probably going to be someone like Nigel Cole. Click on Nigel Cole and donate and some donate. money to him. All right. And, and, and Peter, 100 cents in the dollar goes to the program. Mm-hmm. We have this set up with the people who, who set the page up. There's no commission going out. If you give $10, $10 goes so, to the program. Excellent. Well, what about the, the day you ride into town? You know, you say it'll be in the afternoon. Whereabouts and is there a, a, an event on? Can people yep. come down and watch the riders come in? Yep, absolutely. So we, we ride into Lake Patobe. So we're in that middle section at Lake Patobe. We'll have quite a few marquees there. We've got uh, a big barbecue. We're hoping to get uh, Ziv, the ice cream man, the Timboon ice cream man. I'll have to have a chat with him and see if we can get him down there. But most importantly, we'll have the 3YB music pumping out. So the barbecue, there'll be drinks down there, a couple of marquees. Last year, you know, we all came into town. We had about 300 people there to welcome us. It was absolutely fantastic. In fact, it was quite emotional just to see people there cheering us on. And everyone knows that they've done a great thing in doing the bike ride, but it means so much more when you're raising money for an important local organisation like Big Ride. Hmm. All right, Shane, thanks for popping in this morning. So if, if you'd like to make a donation to support a rider in the Big Ride, Saturday, March the section, second, head to a abigride.com.au. Good luck, Shane. Hope it goes well. Thanks, Peter. Peter Heaton talking the Great South Coast on this Friday morning and talking to the HFNL administrator, a newly appointed position. I think we're going to call him the Gil McLaughlin of the Handling League. Trent Hill, good morning, Trent. Hey, no, good morning. Uh, don't have as much hair as Gil McLaughlin and probably not as getting paid as much, but I uh, appreciate the uh, the nice connection oh, with uh, well, the great X-Man of the AFL. I've seen the work you're doing and it's really exciting. Exciting season coming up for the Hamden Footy Netball League. Let's set the season up. What's happening and how's it all going? Uh, season's uh, looking really sharp at the moment. Um, still a lot of organisational things to occur, but um, our season's going to officially start on uh, April 5th, which is a Friday night. So that's round one. Um, Warnable are going to take on Kuroit's in a Friday night um, blockbuster. So that'll be a standalone game between Croyton and Warrnambool under lights uh, and then the open netball as well. So a great way to start it officially on that date uh, with Ben Cunnington running around, Aaron Black for the Warrnambool Blues and Croyton, no doubt, will be doing some pretty heavy work with recruiting and so forth as well. Yeah. But our first, ofi- our, our first official game will be the week before, which is Good Friday. So that's always a, a, a permanent fixture uh, on the Hampton League calendar is that Good Friday game between South Warrnambool and Croyton. So that'll be on the 29th of March, but our official first round is on that 5th of April. Right, so let's put that in your diaries. The 29th of March is the first game. game and then the season starts, well, there's a game on the 5th, the Friday night. Yep, and then, then the 6th. Round 1, the 6th. Yep. 
So excellent, plenty of footy there. And that, the Reed Oval, I was up there the other day, and it's, it just looks a picture, doesn't it? The oh. surface is great. So all the young kids playing up there, they must be excited to play on that ground. Oh, absolutely. Um, had a look at the Geelong Community Camp, took um, my young guys up there for a look, and, gee, the Wonderful City Council and so forth have done an enormous job mm. with um, the ground, and uh, their curator, Tommy uh, Mugavan, who's up there, yeah. Um, he's done a super yeah. job as well. So, yeah, I think round one, they're, they're, they're going to be looking like the ground's going to be in really good shape. Yeah, well, under the uh, presidency of Shane Trellfall over the last couple of years, the, the league's, I think, has gone from step to step and it's getting stronger now with your appointment as well because, uh, you know, like the streaming's been... I know there's a lot of work gone behind the scenes, a lot of work in the social media side of it, a lot of work with the, um, you know, the recording of all the other games. So the league's, you know, in pretty good shape. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Shane and the executive done a, a power of work to, I guess, make our brand, the Hampton Football Nipper League, one of the best in, in Victoria. And I think it certainly is. And you go back a few more seasons when Jonathan Brown was first appointed as interleague coach. I think that's really brought a lot of hype to the to the competition as well, especially, um, you know, the football side of things. And our netball is as competitive as it ever is. Mm-hmm. You know, association championships were a dominant force down there most seasons. So, yeah, things are looking great. The live streaming's been fantastic. We've got a few other things in uh, in place that we hope to, to see in 2024, which we're still working on. Um, but, yeah, our profile's building. And you look at the recruits coming into the competition, like... Yeah, give the us a few names. Well, you, you look at AFL circles. We've got Ben Cunnington off North Melbourne's list playing at Warnable. We've got Aaron Black from North Melbourne and Geelong playing at Warnable. Stephen Motlop's just signed yeah. at North Warnable this week, who played at Geelong and Port Adelaide. Um, Terang Mortlake have obviously got Louis Taylor, who's coaching this year. He's recruited Nick Shipley, who was on GWS's list. So, yeah, there's a lot of ex-AFL players coming in and joining, but also two players that have played State League, whether it's in Victoria or um, the Northern Territory coming around as well. So, yeah, all the clubs have been busy recruiting. We thought last year was going to be a really competitive season. It was. Uh, this year, I think, it's going to be even better. Yeah, looking forward to it. You mentioned you touched on interleague and Jonathan Brown, who's a great uh, stalwart for interleague. What's the what's happening in that space? Yeah, so we're still in discussions with Brownie. Uh, things are looking positive, but obviously Brownie's got a very busy schedule during that time of the year, Fox footy commitments and radio commitments and so forth. But um, yeah, still in discussion. So we're hopeful that Brownie's going to coach, but yeah, still awaiting official words. So hoping to find out in the, the near future. Uh, we'll take on the Ballarat Football Netball League again, under 23, under 17. Um, we originally had it planned for June 15th, but just... Um, Events didn't allow it to happen on that date, so we'll have a full buy round on that weekend for the Hampton League clubs. And our other buy round we had in the fixture, which was July 6th, will now be allocated to uh, Interleague, which will be up at the Reed Oval. I'm talking to Trent Hill, you know the voice from a 3YB point of view. He's been the newly appointed Hampton Footy Netball League Administrator. Hilly, we know that you're a school teacher, you're a qualified school teacher. What are you doing in that space? Is this a full-time gig for you now? What, what are you doing? Yeah, so full-time, um, putting all the uh, the energy and soul into the Hampton Football Netball League. You know, obviously, my affiliation with 3YBFM for a long time is, you know, my, I'm passionate about football and netball, and I just really want to make us the, the premier competition in Victoria and in Australia, really. Um, we've got a lot of great things happening at the moment. So, yeah, full-time on that space, um, you know, a lot of daily operational stuff gets done, but also, too, really putting a lot more effort into uh, the social media and really putting our branding out there because you look at our sponsors, Hedo, and uh, I know you've uh, you've had some connection with uh, sponsorship and so forth. We've, we've got some great sponsors, and the more and more we can 
um, promote their brand with our brand, I think it's a real real mm. win-win situation. Mm. Southwest TAFE, McDonald's, Powercore, Sungold Milk, 3YB, Coast FM, you know, our, our premier major sponsors, along with all of our other affiliate sponsors. We've got so many great organisations jumping on board. Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, that's a terrific start to the season. What about, well, you, I would imagine, financially, the, the league sound at the minute? Yeah, no, we're going, we're going beautifully. And I think, obviously, that connection with um, our great sponsors has allowed us to do that. We've got, uh, we've had, you know, some good final series over the previous season. So, yeah, things from a financial point of view are looking good. And we, we just worked hard to try and make sure that we can support the clubs the best we can. Question for me, because of being the general manager here at the radio station, are you going to, are we able to hear your dulcet tones on a Saturday afternoon? Is this new role going to take you away from the call? No, Hedo. Uh, I've been lucky enough to strike up um, a deal with uh, Shane Trailfall and the executive that allows me to uh, to call games as well. So, I'll call most games. It might be the odd week where I won't be able to due to you know Hampton League responsibilities. But yeah, I'll be on most Saturday afternoons with the team, which I'm looking forward to. It's a it's a great product. It's great fun being a part of, and just gets me a chance to go and see as many games as I can, and still yeah. connect with the clubs, which I think it's a win-win. Well, it is, and even from the radio station point of view, you want to listen to three YBFM, the Hampton League coverage, because now in your role, you've got all the inside info. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To, you might have to declare I've, I've got a pecuniary interest in there or something else yeah. I don't know but look, you'll have all the info for us yeah absolutely and uh, you know all of our media partners are fantastic as well we've got great support obviously from you guys here at the radio station the Warnable Standard do a great job publicising our game and yeah. our other you know towns that uh, cover Hampton League footy and netballs are terrific, so we're very lucky in that space. The league's just flying in, in that regard. You know, the um, the promotion, but also the sponsorship. It's just uh, it's going great guns. All right, Trent Hill, HFNL administrator. Thanks for popping in. Trent, season starts. We'll give us the. I'm, I'm a bit confused. Do it again. Yeah, we'll go. Again. We'll go the other way around. Right so right. our first game of the season's on Good Friday, which yeah. will be South Warrnambool and Croyd up at the Friendly Societies Park. That's just a standalone game. Yeah. Then our official first round will be on the weekend of April 5th and April. 6th. Friday night, Croyd taking on Warnable at the Reed Oval under lights and then April 6th will be the remaining games. Alright, thanks Ellie. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for mate. coming in. Talk to you again soon. Peter Heaton talking the great South Coast and I'm going to talk to a, a local Warnable born girl, Stacey McKenna this morning. Good morning, Stacey. Hi Peter, thanks for having me on today. Well, well thanks for joining us. Now Stacey, I'm interested in your career. I know you're born in Warrnambool and you've been involved with the meat industry and, you, and you're now taking on a big chairmanship coming up soon. But tell us the Stacey McKenna story. Where did you go to school and how did you get involved in the industry? Uh, so I went to school at Braille College in Warrnambool and I actually got involved in the industry through my family's business, the Midfield Group. So I started working with Midfield during school holidays I never necessarily intended to build a career in the meat industry. It was, a, um, I suppose, a bit of a stopgap while I decided what to do with my future. But like a lot in the meat industry, once you're in there, you never tend to leave. So I did, um, I did go from the midfield group. I worked there for, I think it was around about 10 or 11 years, um, predominantly in quality assurance, training roles and HR. I then moved on to Tees Australia, who are a, um, a large meat organisation who operate predominantly in New South Wales and Queensland. I worked there for about five years. Um, then back down to Victoria with the Australian Meat Industry Council. So they're a policy advocacy group yes. um, for the red meat industry in Australia, represent meat processing, small goods and retail butchery. 
And yeah, as you've mentioned, I've now just taken on the Australian chair role for Meet Business Women. But along with that, I have returned to the midfield group as the industry affairs manager. So that's effectively sitting on a number of groups, um, policy, advocacy, working on, there's a whole range of areas. It could be animal welfare matters, market access, workforce, industrial relations. So that's effectively working with industry to solve um, big picture issues that that impact those across the industry versus just um, one individual organisation. Yeah, so you've had a wealth of experience in the industry. How, how many years does that add up to so far? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I'd prefer not to count them back, but um, quite, quite a few. Yeah, so it's been really good for me. Having worked with AMIC, it's sort of given me that really good overviewers to the bigger picture of the industry and it's allowed me to pick up along with the meet business women chair position um also some board positions with the australian meat processor corporation who yeah. were the research and development body and also with the uh, back with the australian meat industry council well we're going to talk about the chair role that you have in a minute but just uh, like you talk about the meat industry and i i guess you would think it's a male dominated industry and you've been working hard behind the scenes to promote women in the industry tell us a bit about that yes very much so so the meat industry is um, male dominated on a global level there's only about 33 percent female representation working within the meat industry in australia that's a little bit lower at about 27 percent so i'm really passionate to be able to promote what the meat industry do and what opportunities are available so I am really excited to have come on board as the Australian partner and therefore the Australian chair for Meat Business Women in Australia and really looking forward to being able to grow the, um, I suppose, the organisation in Australia, but also the representation of the Australian meat industry, what we do, what roles are available, and we run that effectively through running campaigns to um, to showcase what's available in the meat industry. We've been talking to Stacey McKenna from Midfield Meats about her career in the meat industry and her role now as chair of the Meat Business Women. Uh, in the industry, what sort of roles can women play, Stacey? So we have a whole range of roles. From um, There's obviously the entry-level roles that you can go into, which might be um, packing, skilled roles, moving through to quality assurance, training. But there's a whole scope of roles that people don't necessarily think about when they think of the meat industry. So um, myself, for a starter, in these policy roles that I'm in, it's not well known that these roles exist, but you've also got um, quality assurance, quality control, marketing, sales, um, occupational health and safety. Uh, there's just a, there's a whole breadth of roles that are available. There's livestock roles, laboratory. There is um, quite a lot of science and technology and innovation that, um, that takes place in the meat industry. So it's really important to us to get that information out there as to what's available. So it's not necessarily just meat business women who are doing this, although very passionate about the um, the work that meat business women are doing in this space. We do have a She Looks Like Me campaign yes. that we run that showcases these roles. 
but we also have organisations such as the Australian Meat Processors Corporation running campaigns such as the More to Meat to showcase what's actually available in the meat industry. Yeah, well, you've certainly uh, hit the top there in that industry because you're now the leader of the Global Meat Network and you're going to chair a conference that's coming up that you're involved with, with women. Yes, so we have, well, it will be the first conference under my leadership in Australia coming up on the 20th of March in Melbourne. And I'm really excited about this conference and the content that we're bringing to Australia. So we've got a great lineup of speakers coming in. We are hoping to have around 250 attendees and we normally hit that mark. So really excited about that. But we've got some great speakers coming in with some real takeaways for our attendees that they can take back and implement in their day-to-day lives and in their workplaces. So we are really, um, really, I suppose, focused on personal development. So a good example of one of the sessions that we have, we have Kate Dillon coming in for us. So Kate's the award-winning founder of SheLine Group and Walk Fearlessly. She's also the Director of Employee Strategy and Experience at Gilbert Tobin Lawyers, and she's going to deliver a session for us concentrated on mastering your brand, clarifying your goals, and leveraging your unique value to seize opportunities. So we're really, um, really excited to have these real takeaways out of this session. We've also got um, Michelle Redfern. She's a leader in gender equality and diversity. So she'll be doing a piece for us on how women can reach their full potential by deeply understanding leadership and the skills they need to develop and demonstrate. Um, and we've got our Australian representative for the Australian agriculture under the government's agricultural leadership initiative, Sue McCluskey, coming in. So very excited to have Sue on board. Sue's able to come on board and show us, give us a really good example of the roles that are available and what can be inspired to achieve. So it's a, I suppose that's a role that many don't know exists. No. And the full program, I've had a look at some, you can visit that on the Meet Business Women's Conference webpage. All the details are there. Yes, meetbusinesswomen.org does have those conference details on there. So we have got tickets on sale. Um, Great opportunity to be promoting this in Victoria at the moment because we do move the conference each year. So we are in Melbourne this year, but it will be in another state next year. So great opportunity to get on board while it's close to home. Who can attend the conference, Stacey? I guess with the speakers, I know we're, we're concentrating on the meat industry here, but from a female perspective, it's about leadership and growth as well. So I guess they say other people could attend. Yes, absolutely. So we are targeting the meat supply chain, um, but we are open to effectively anybody who wants to come along. And we're not necessarily female only either. It's really important to us that we have males come along because it's important to have male allies in the workplace to support what we're doing. Mm. So the majority of our attendees would come from the meat processing, small goods production, retail sector, farmers. We do have a lot of producers come in. And then those from ancillary areas such as the policy and the research and development bodies um, that I was talking about earlier. But we are effectively open to anybody for that career um, leadership and career growth. And the really important thing about meat business women, you don't have to work in a particular sector of a business to come along to this conference. It really is open to everybody. 
Good on you, Stacey. I really appreciate you talking to us this morning. Congratulations on your career. You've certainly, uh, you know, you started in the industry years ago and now you're sort of leading the show. So congratulations on that. If people want more information about the conference, where do they go to again? They go to www.makebusinesswomen.org. All right. Do you have a session at the uh, conference or are you just sort of emceeing the event and dragging people all together? <laughs> no, I definitely have a session at the event. So I'll be speaking about the new partnership arrangements that we have on board and the growth that we've been able to achieve through that partnership arrangement already. So um, in the short six weeks that I've been the chair of Make Business Women Australia, we've been able to bring nine corporate partners on board, which is really exciting for us. But I'll also be speaking about our current campaign, which is the power of you. So that campaign aims to empower individuals to drive inclusivity in the meat industry, and you can also learn more about that on our website. Good on you, Stacey. Thanks for joining us. Stacey McKenna, the Chair of the Meat Business Women Australia and also the Industry Affairs Manager at Midfield Meats. Congratulations on great work, Stacey. I'm interested in what you're doing, and I'm sure if people get along, they'll hear more from you. So thanks for talking to us this morning. Thanks, Peter. Peter Heaton talking the great South Coast. It gives me pleasure now to welcome Bob McMillan to the studio. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Peter. Well, for those who don't know Bob, you're uh, well, very well known around town, member of the Rotary local Rotary Club, um, AO, uh, Order of Australia, recipient for doing all your community work. So, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much indeed, Pete. Now, before we want to, we want to talk about a few, we want to talk about a community raffle that the Rotary Club's got organised and how yep. sporting clubs can raise funds. I want to talk yep. about a myeloma walk which is yep. coming up on the 3rd of March. We'll yes. get more of the, But you, you mentioned five fools on stools. What, what, what's, what's that about? Well, uh, some <laughs> of my very close mates have formed a band uh, headed up by Trevor Bonney, and uh, they've been playing uh, in his garage a bit, and now they're branching out. Last year uh, they did a, uh, a concert down at... Uh, Lake, uh, down at Lake Potobe, along Potobe Road, and they helped uh, with the hospital auxiliary, raising $10,000, uh, and uh, our Rotary Club cooked the barbecue there. There was raffles, and over that day they uh, raised uh, $10,000, but, yeah. You mentioned one fool on stool, Trevor Bond. Who were the other four? The other four? Well, we've got Errol Stewart <laughs> on bass, uh, Lee McCorkle, guitar and uh, vocals, and Jeff Reeves. And the great uh, uh, Tony Grace has recently just joined the band uh, and he's on uh, the drum box. Yeah. So how come you're involved? I'm the manager. You're the manager? Oh, you'd be I a get, good manager. I've had a pay rise recently. Uh, now I'm getting 25% of nothing. <laughs> well, my, my, my story with Trevor Bonney goes back to the 1980s when he was at Westside Carpets in Stall. Indeed. And I was at the radio station in, in Horsham. Yes. And I walked into Westside Carpets, you know, selling advertising yeah. as I yeah. do, and he was, he was there. And, uh, and that's how I first met met Trevor, and then he came down here, and we our association kept going. Yep, uh, he was he was he's been in bands just about all his life. Uh, Dingus McGee was a band that he toured around with uh, the Western District, and he's toured toured Ireland twice uh, with his brother. Uh, Bruce Matiski is one of the best guitar players in Australia. Well, talking about tours, the Five Fools on Stools just toured up to the uh, northern part of the state and did a, the... Did, a, did a gig on a houseboat. Yep, up to the mighty Murray. Uh, 
and uh, had a had a, a performance on the Saturday night, and then a, another one on Sunday, uh, cruising the mighty Murray. Well, there you go. Look out for them five fools on stools. I don't know if they've got a website. I don't know exactly no, no, we what they've got. got. But ring Bob McMillan if you want more details. And give us a, give us a call here at the station, and I'll pass on Bob's number to you. Bob, let's get down to some. Well, that's serious, but yeah. some more serious stuff. The Rotary Club that you're involved with. Tell us about that. Yep, we're the Central Rotary Club. Uh, we meet each uh, Wednesday over at the uh, the Warrnambool. Bowling Club uh, in Timewell Street, just uh, over the road from 3YB or down the road from 3YB. We meet there every uh, Wednesday uh, from 12.30 to 2 o'clock and uh, anybody's uh, most welcome to come along and and, uh, see what we're doing and maybe join in and uh, help contribute uh, to the wonderful community of uh, Waterwell. Well, that's what your Rotary Club do, contribute to the community. And you've got a raffle. This is a great idea. I think yep. it's been going a number of years now, and it's yep. on again this year. It has indeed. It's called the the Golden Community Raffle. And uh, basically our Rotary Club, we uh, buy all the prizes and uh, we uh, print up the tickets and then any uh, sporting club or not-for-profit club can uh, or charity can take the tickets and uh, sell the tickets, and they keep all the proceeds. We don't want any money back. All we want is the ticket stubs back so we can draw the raffle, uh, and that's being drawn in May. And uh, uh, the the prizes that we have this year are a uh, travel voucher from Hello World for $3,000, first prize. Second prize, $1,000. Uh, travel voucher from Hello World and uh, third prize is two night stay out at Harmony at Tower Hill. Uh, Nick Bolden is uh, the Hello World uh, representative here. He's uh, got uh, Harmony out there at uh, Tower Hill and third prize is those two nights stay there. Valued yeah. about $400. Yeah, well, it's something that the sporting club should actually look closely at because they have their meetings and they all need funds. Yep. Now, this is a, not an easy way. Well, it is an easy way, yeah. really. Now, they don't have to find their own prize. They just need to go and get some raffle tickets, yep. sell them, and how much of that do they keep? They keep it all. They keep, uh, as uh, as Dyer Strait said, uh, money for nothing. There's no risk for the club. If they only sell 50 tickets, well, yeah, uh, that, they get, you know, they get uh, uh, $250. Uh, if they sell 100 tickets, they get $500. If they sell 1,000 tickets, they get $5,000. Yeah. And the, uh, the you know it's it's a no risk. They don't have to go and source those prizes. We do that for them. The tickets are already printed up, and uh, all they do have to do is sell them. Well, that's a no great risk. Op- great opportunity from the Rotary Club. Uh, what about where can I get a ticket if I want to get involved? How do I yep, do that? at uh, Darien Office Supplies. Ian Senior there at uh, Darien Office is a member of our club. And uh, they're available there at 176 Ferry Street, Darien Office Supplies. And, uh, yeah, they can go in now. They're, they're there in the store. Just see the girls at the front counter and they'll look after them. And uh, just have them back in time for the raffle to be drawn on the 15th of May. Good on you, Bob. Congratulations to your Rotary Club on that initiative. Another one, I think the Rotary Club might be involved with this one, but it's close to your heart, Myeloma. Yep. You've been touched by Myeloma, and there's a walk coming up. Tell us yep, about yep. that. Yep, yep. We're having our third uh, walk for Myeloma uh, starting on the 3rd of March, so Sunday week. 
and uh, that's uh, down at Lake Patobe. It's uh, starting at the beach kiosk, goes along Patobe Road, uh, around the pavilion, back round to the surf club, and then find, finalising back uh, near the pavilion again. Sorry, near the beach kiosk, sorry. Mm. And uh, that's our third walk. Uh, the first two walks were called 3.8 with a mate walk because there was 38 Australians uh, a week diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Uh, now there's about 50, unfortunately, being diagnosed per week with myeloma. And that's a blood disorder. That's a, it's a uh, yeah, blood cancer. It's an incurable blood cancer at this stage. And uh, it's, uh, it's a killer of a cancer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so instead of calling it 3.8 with a mate, we're now calling it My Greatest Walk. Mm. Um, yeah, so all right. So get involved with that, and people want to get involved. Would they just turn up, or can they register? Yeah, they, they need they to register uh, if they just go on to Myeloma Australia or myeloma dot org dot au, and they'll go to the register for a walk. Uh, scroll down to the warnable uh, walk and register there. It's only twenty dollars to register this year, and uh, we would love the support. Uh, there's a uh, quite a number of people here in Warrnambool that have myeloma uh, and that are dealing with uh, you know being treated as we speak. Uh, I was just speaking to Karen Wild, a, a well-known person here in Warrnambool. Karen's been dealing with it for 12 years and she's still being treated nearly every second week uh, in Melbourne. So uh, she's down there at the present. Uh, there's a couple of people that uh, you'll probably know that's just been diagnosed with it. Uh, Sandy Roberts, uh, a few months ago, uh, announced that he'd been diagnosed with myeloma. Another one, uh, Bruce Matheson, the uh, the pub uh, billionaire, yeah. has just been diagnosed in the last couple of weeks mm. uh, with multiple myeloma. So it touches it, uh, yeah. the small people like ourselves yeah. here in Waterville and the... And, and the wider the, community. Yeah, all, yeah. all right, the Myeloma Walk, 3rd of March. Uh, get on to that and support it because all the funds, as you say, Bob, goes into research and trying yeah. to find a cure. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, there's new trial drug drugs out. You know, uh, Bruce Luderman, who's another well-known, warnable person, he's uh, on a trial drug at this stage. And so this funds that uh, is raised is all helping to... Uh, fund those trials and uh, help people with uh, this incurable disease at this stage. All right, Bob McMillan. Thanks, Bob, for popping in. Thanks for telling us about those three events. No worries and, at all. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Big weekend happening around Warrnambool and Ash Ansell from the Warrnambool City Council joins me. Ash, big load of events on what's on tonight. That's right, Peter. So tonight, Victorian modified sedan and street stock titles. Friday and Saturday night, Premier Speedway. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. Well, this is something I'm going to go and have a look at. Pickleball on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, pickleball. It's taking over the world, Pete. Uh, but the Warrnambool Pickleball Open 24th, 25th of February, Saturday and Sunday. So that's happening at the Warrnambool Stadium, the Ark on Caramut Road. The Warrnambool Portuguese Festival. I know there's plaques all shiny and new up there. The big weekend. Yeah, that's right. So once again, another event happening over the uh, full duration of the weekend, 24th and 25th. Um, events scattered all around Warrnambool on the 24th and then Sunday, a bit more specific. So Sunday morning, 25th, 
festival will continue with an official ceremony at Cannon Hill, followed by a free afternoon entertainment program at Lake Bateau. Fantastic. 24th of February. There's plenty happening here. The Nuke, the John Newcomb story. Yeah, so that's at Lighthouse Theatre. That's a, uh, a winner for all the tennis fans, and that's happening Saturday and Sunday as well. The F Project's got an event on Wednesday. Yep, so uh, two events on Wednesday as well. So we start off with the Summer Garden Market every Wednesday um, up at the uh, Community Gardens and then the F Project Cinema, uh, their monthly movie. Uh, Project Cinema is a film society member for FVFS, screening art house, foreign, independent and locally produced films. All right, and then the Whalers Hotel have a race day on the 29th of February. That's right, so uh, get out to the Vulnerable Race Course on Grafton Road. But also, um, don't forget about the uh, public lecture. Um, Mel Bright, director and owner, Studio Bright, 6 till 8pm at the Vulnerable Art Gallery. So this one's um, in relation to the big event that's continuing at the Vulnerable Art Gallery, the Lisa Gorman Merkamora um, to Breathe exhibition. Good on you, Ash. Ash Ansel. Ash, get in your car, head up to Emmanuel College right now because uh, at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon... Jonathan Brown's up there. Georgie Coglin, uh, inspiring alumni from Emmanuel College. They've got a big Edmund Rice Centre appeal day launched today. So they're there from 1 o'clock. They've been there all morning, but food stalls and lunch available. Get up there. Then 2 o'clock, it's the Rice Rally basketball match for All-Stars versus the students, and Brownie's playing in that as well. So get up there. And yeah, they're following that on their social media. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Ash, thanks for coming in. Have a good weekend. No worries, Pete. Thank you.